Well, good morning. Uh, last, last week's message uh, ended with Jesus' death and burial. And you know, it's like, I, I, hate, I hate to leave it there, you know, because, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about today is, you know, really the, the rest of the story, the, the, the glorious rest of the story. And, uh, you know, the, the Jewish leaders, though, at that point, didn't know that. They didn't know that uh, Jesus was, was going to overcome death. Uh, you know, they, they'd been planning his death since the beginning of his ministry, and they must have thought now, you know, okay, at long last, we're, we're rid of this troublemaker. And, uh, you know, they, the, this Jesus, who they consider to be a, a false messiah, you know, one of many, they thought, well, this proves it. He was, he was a fraud, just as, as we know. You know, they thought, you know, his, his followers are dispersed. Uh, we won't be seeing anything of them again. And the closure they thought they had was not to be. Absolutely not, you know. And it was, if that was the end of the story, you know, we wouldn't be here today. And if we were, we'd be wasting our time. You know, like Paul says, without the resurrection, if there is no resurrection, we're, we're, of all men to be pitied, but we're not. Let's continue at the rest of the story, the, the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. He's, he's alive. Jesus is alive, and this, is, this makes all the difference. Uh, without the resurrection, there's no Christianity. Let's, let's read uh, from chapter 16. We're going to go uh, from 1 to 8 uh, right now. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, this was this is a very short account of the uh, the resurrection. The other gospel accounts give us a lot more detail, but this is how this is how Mark writes. You know, this is this is his style. It's it's action. You know, this happened. This happened. Uh, Mark doesn't include nearly the amount of detail, but that doesn't diminish its importance. Mark is writing from the context of a, a growing movement, a Jesus movement that centers around the reality of, of the resurrected Christ. And uh, today I'd like to uh, look at three parts of, of this chapter, three R's. You know, first of all, the, the resurrection, what, what actually happened, what are the facts, what are the details? Second, the relevance of the resurrection, and then the results. So, you know, what does Mark report on the resurrection? 
in his usual way, you know, he, his, his report seems very uh, terse, very, very abbreviated. He doesn't give us a lot of, a lot of details, but what, what he does give us is important. We need to look at it. You know, what's the, what's the relevance? How is it significant in our life? Uh, you know, we're going to, uh, well, if we see this as, as just one story of, of many, just a story, uh, you know, we don't, we don't gain anything at all, but the thing is, uh, this story needs to be, uh, a big part of our own stories. This, this story needs to be the, the center of our own stories. You know, it's not the kind of thing where you just close the book, put the book on the shelf and say, yeah, that was good. I, I enjoyed that. And then forget about it. You know, this is a, this is a continuing gospel story. And remember, remember back in the first verse of, of Mark, what did he say? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel. And we're going to see that we're still in the beginning. You know, this, this is not the, uh, the end. This, this is perhaps the, uh, the end of the beginning. But it's not even that really. Uh, and, and next, next week we're going to start with the uh, book of Acts. And we're going to see the, uh, the effects of this resurrection. You know, the, the living Christ empowering the, the early church through his spirit. Well, let's look at uh, Mark's account here. The resurrection. You know, the resurrection is a well-attested uh, historical event. You know, the skeptics say that uh, this, this was legend. This is, this is something that hundreds of years later, the, uh, the church got together and said, well, these are, these are the details that we want people to believe. But, uh, you know, that's not true. That's not true. Jesus' followers did not come up with, with a bunch of wild stories. You know, Mark was uh, written in the mid-first century, and it was written at a time when uh, there, were, there were still many eyewitnesses to what Mark is, is writing about, what Mark is reporting. Uh, many of them still alive. And let's look at, it. Let's look at this account and you know, see that it doesn't fit the, the stuff of, of legend. You know, first we, and we saw this last week, that uh, the first witnesses to the resurrection were, were women. Um, you know, you might say, well, so what? So what? You know, we need to understand, though, that in first century uh, Palestine, first century Middle East, uh, women were not considered to be reliable witnesses, believe it or not. You know, their, their testimony in, in court would not carry any weight. Women were not called to testify in court. Uh, had this been a legend, you know, I don't think the women would have been the first witnesses and the men scattering in, in fear and shame. But Mark reports what actually happened. These three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph, it says, and Salome, they go to the tomb with spices to uh, prepare Jesus' body for burial. And, um, yeah, these were the same women who in chapter 15 were, were watching at a distance when uh, Jesus died at the cross. You know, the, the, the two Marys also 
had watched when uh, Jesus' body was uh, being entombed, when it was put in the tomb. You know, many scholars believe that Mark was the uh, the first gospel account to be written. And uh, you can you can tell by the way Mark writes that uh, he's writing to people who know the people he's talking about. For instance, he talks about Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph. And the people reading this would go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know them. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, we know these guys. Uh, kind of like uh, how when I talk to some of you people, maybe I'll, I'll meet somebody. I'll meet one of my neighbors and I'll say, hey, I met this guy, uh, whatever, you know, Dale. And, and you go, oh, yeah, I know him. I know him since he was a little kid. You know, I was, we, were, we were talking the other day about, um, about Ken Fantasia and... Uh, John said, yeah, uh, Kenny, how long have you known him, John? 40 years or you said? Yeah. 25 years. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that, that's happening here. Mark writes about these people in a way that they would say, yeah, yeah, I know them. I, I, you know, I, went, I went to school with them or whatever. Anyway, what, when, the two, when the women go to the tomb, what do they expect to see? They expect to see a corpse. They expect to see uh, Jesus' dead body. That's why they're bringing the, these spices to prepare the body. You know, Jesus had said three times that he was going to die and that he was going to be resurrected. He was going to come back to life. Apparently, they didn't believe him. They, they'd, came, they'd come to uh, anoint Jesus' body. Uh, you know, they had... Um, not done it earlier like you would have thought because it was it was the Sabbath. Uh, they couldn't handle dead bodies during during that time, so they come back after the Sabbath. And when they get there, or before they get there, they realize they've got a problem. There's this big stone that had been rolled in front of the, uh, the entrance of the tomb, the mouth of the tomb, and uh, they knew they were not going to be able to move it. How, what are we going to do about that? How, who's going to move this stone for us? But they got there. This, tome, this uh, stone was empty. It was rolled away. And Mark says there's this young man sitting there. This young man. We know from the other accounts this, this was an angel. And what does this guy say? He says, Jesus isn't here. Jesus is not here. This is where they laid him, but he's risen. And he'll meet you in Galilee, just as he said. You might recall in chapter 14 that uh, Jesus had told them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the this, this sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. It's kind of funny. This guy, this angel says, don't be alarmed. Of course they were alarmed. None of us, who wouldn't be? But I love, I love the next part of what he told them. He said, here's a message from Jesus. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Tell his disciples and Peter. And why did he single out Peter? You know, Peter... Peter was one of the disciples. But remember, G- Peter had denied Jesus three times. In Peter's mind, he'd, he'd messed up. Peter, I'm sure, thought to himself, I do not deserve to be numbered among Jesus' disciples. 
He felt like he'd just utterly betrayed Jesus, and he, and he did. But Jesus says, by name, tell Peter. Tell Peter. He wanted Peter to know that he was still loved. He wanted to know that uh, he was forgiven. He wanted Peter to know his grace. Finally, in verse 8, it says the women were afraid and they didn't tell anyone. And Mark leaves the reader hanging on this note. Now, the people to whom Mark was, was writing this knew that Jesus rose. They knew what happened after. But Mark is kind of giving us a, a, a cliffhanger here. But these are the facts. These are the facts about the, uh, the resurrection. These are the events that Mark reports. And you know, what I want to look at now is why is the resurrection significant? What's, what's the relevance of, of the resurrection? Why is it such a big deal? And a few years ago on, on an, in an Easter sermon, uh, I, I talked about these, but I want to hit them again. Seven things that I, that I, want, to, I want to touch on. Why? How is the, uh, the resurrection relevant to us? You know, if, if Jesus had died, was buried, and stayed in the tomb... Yeah, we we would just have to say he was an ordinary man. Uh, he was he was a really good man. He had a lot of good things to say. I knew a guy back when I was in college who described Jesus as a very well-adjusted individual. But you know, we'd have to say if he was still in the tomb, he was just merely a man, nonetheless. You know, if Jesus remained in the tomb, we could we could hardly call this good news. You know, we. We would, we would call this the bad news about what happened to Jesus. You know, there, there would be no gospel. Jesus' life and, and his uh, death would have meant nothing. It would have been in vain. The outrageous claims that Jesus made about being the Son of God, about having the, the authority to forgive sins, his prophecy about being raised from the dead, you know, would have been nothing but uh, lies. Grandiose lies, but lies nonetheless. He did rise from the dead. That makes all the difference. And we have the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And, and Paul, in 1 Corinthians, he, he, he gives us kind of a brief definition of what the gospel is. You wonder, what, what is the gospel? We hear that word all the time. You know, to some, it's just a, uh, a genre of, of music. What is the gospel? It's a description of what God did for us, God's plan of redemption for sinful humankind. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8, Paul says this. He says, I deliver to you of, as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that, on the, and that he was raised in the third day in accordance with the scriptures, 
And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. He died, according to the scriptures. This is God's plan from, from the beginning. Go back to Genesis where... God talks about the seed of Eve, who we know now is, is Jesus, you know, crushing the head of the serpent. You know, we have we have the offer of, of forgiveness of our, our sins through the death of Jesus on the on the cross. He bore that penalty of sin on himself on the cross. The first for eternal life because Jesus was resurrected. The first fruits of the resurrection. He was the first. The resurrection, again, it changes everything. This, the resurrection is the key to the, the power of Christianity. The living Christ. Well, here are the seven things. First, the resurrection affirms Jesus' claims. You know, Jesus prophesied about his death resurrection the the resurrection gives authority and uh credence to Jesus's words he said this was going to happen it happened it affirms the message and validates his his mission second it confirms Jesus's identity as the messiah the christ the anointed one you know Jesus was not merely a good man he was not merely a a, a great teacher and a, a great rabbi you know, he is the Messiah. He is the one from God who's been sent to save us. John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one who'd been promised by the Old Testament scriptures and prophecy. You know, the resurrection shows that Jesus' sacrifice was good and it was acceptable to the Father. You know, it shows us that he is the Christ, the Lord of all. It confirms his, his deity. Third, the resurrection gives meaning and significance to Jesus' suffering and death. You know, Jesus did not subject himself to this, the, the mockery, the beating, the suffering, the shame, the death, the pain. His death did not signal a, a failure you know, Jesus was and, and is victorious because of the resurrection. <clears throat> Fourth, his conquering death was for us. It was for us. And this is huge. You know, we all die. We're all going to die. Unless Jesus comes before that, that time, we're all going to die. And we don't like to think about our own mortality. Many people are very scared at the prospect of, of dying. We don't like to talk about it. Uh, people like to, in our society, like to feel they're extending their lives and their, their youth. But, you know, we can only delay the, the inevitable. You know, the, the most gifted and talented doctors in the world cannot conquer death. Except for one doctor, the, the great physician. 
you know, we're all, we're all, we're all on the road, same road. We're all heading in the same direction towards death. You know, the, the richest and the most powerful people, just like the rest of us, are going to die. And nobody except Jesus has been able to solve this, this problem. Because Jesus was resurrected, we do not have to be afraid of death. We have confidence, we have peace, knowing that we too, because of Jesus, will be raised. Remember when Lazarus died and Jesus uh, raised him? You know, Jesus took the opportunity to tell his sister, Lazarus' sister, this truth in, in John eleven twenty five through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I don't know about you, but this gives me a lot of confidence, a lot of security. You know, fifth, it, it gives us power over sin. You know, we, we serve a living Christ, not a dead human. Jesus is alive, and he, if, if we've believed in him and received him as our Savior, we have his presence in us and in the Holy Spirit. You know, through the Holy Spirit, we're not alone he, he's not left us to fend for ourselves. We have, we've been born again, you know, regenerated through the, through the spirit. You know, we, we were spiritually dead, but we've been made alive through the uh, living presence of Christ. Our, our union with him gives us victory, power, over the sin that, that once enslaved us. We don't have to sin. Sin is no longer necessary. Amen. Because we have the living Christ indwelling us. The Apostle Paul in Romans 6, 5-7 through 7 puts it this way. He said, if we've been united with him in a death like this, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You know, united with Christ, we, we've died with him. We've been raised with him. Sin doesn't have to have power over us. Sin doesn't have power over a dead person. You know, we, we walk now in the, the possibility of freedom from the sin that enslaved us. Sixth, the, uh, the resurrection is a display of God's power. You know, some, some people would reject the idea that God is active in the world. That's, uh, that's what's called deism. Some, some people believe that uh, God just created the world, you know, wound up the clock and, and let it go. But no, God is intimately involved in every aspect of every one of our lives and in everything that's going on in the world. The resurrection just demonstrates that God has a hand in history, human history, has a hand in the world, and he does involve himself in human affairs. You know, he's not a God who's just out there, uncaring, uninvolved. You know, God chose to come to us in the person of, of Jesus. 
Jesus of Nazareth. He came as a man, one of us. And Paul talks about in uh, Philippians 2, he came in the form of a servant. He, he laid aside his divine prerogative and humbled himself and suffered for us to bring us back to the Father. And that's why he came. Jesus said in Luke 9, 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost and though he came as a man, he wasn't helpless. Uh, he was God in the flesh. He, he speaks of his power of death in John ten eighteen. Jesus says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it up again. And finally, number seven, the resurrection provides the foundation of the kingdom building activity given in the Great Commission. In Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, the the risen Christ, the risen Jesus, tells his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And, and check this out. Behold. I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, because he lives, because he has all power and authority, he shared that with us. With Through the Holy Spirit, we have his presence. He's with us to the end of the age. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. We're, we're empowered by the Spirit to uh, fulfill this mission that, that he gave us to make disciples of all nations, to, to lead people to him, being his, his witness. You know, he says, go. Go and do this. Well, those are some of the things the resurrection accomplishes. That, that really points, I think, to the, the relevance. Uh, you, if you think about it long enough, you're going to come up with more. But the resurrection is, is a huge thing. It, it makes all the difference. Uh, next, I'd like to look at uh, verses 9, starting with verse 9 to the end. And um, you know, Mark, Mark kind of um, stopped in verse 8 very, very abruptly. You know, the women were afraid. Kind of a, kind of a cliffhanger. You know, have you ever watched a, a movie or, or a show where it seems like right at the climax, boom, it's, it ends, and, and you're wondering, well, what happened? Well, this, this appendix is kind of the, the rest of the story, and in a lot of ways, this, this is kind of a short preview of what we're going to be looking at in the, in the book of Acts. You know, what, what comes next? How, how does this, this band of disciples who scattered when Jesus died, come back together in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the, the risen Christ. Let's look at this. This is the rest of the story. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. 
But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking in the country. And they went back and told the rest and they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay down their or they they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So the Lord Jesus, after he'd spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So what's going on here? First, Jesus reveals himself to to the, uh, the disciples. Uh, Jesus Jesus appeared to the disciples on several occasions after after he uh, rose from the dead. Uh, the Apostle Paul indicates these appearance uh, these appearances in his definition of the gospel. We've read that definitions uh, several that definition several times throughout our study of Mark. Um, you know that's how the how how significant these appearances are. Um, you know among the most significant appearance though is. When he gives the uh, the disciples this this mission, this great commission, you know, it's it's the mission that applies to us as as a church body, you know, to to make disciples. Well, in, in verses nine through eleven, when Mary Magdalene goes back to the tomb, Jesus is there. John gives a more detailed account of this encounter. Uh, Mary looks into the tomb. There are two angels. They ask why she's weeping. She turns around and she sees this man, thinks it's a gardener. He's a gardener, but uh, it's Jesus. He tells her to tell the disciples. Mark 16 says that when she does this, they are mourning and weeping and, and they don't believe her. Um, verses 12 through 13, there's uh, a short account of, of two disciples on, on the road. We know we have a better account, a, a more complete account of this in the Gospel of Luke on the, the road to Emmaus. Remember that story? It's an amazing story. These guys, these two of the disciples, we don't know who they are. But there's a, a third person comes up and say, hey, you know, what's going on? And these two disciples said, well, where, where have you been? You know, the, the, this is big news. Jesus was, was killed. And their eyes are veiled somehow. They don't recognize him as Jesus. But Jesus, as they're walking on the road, went through, it says, the, uh, the Old Testament scriptures, starting with the, uh, the law and the prophets, and explain to them how all that was about him. All that was about Jesus. And then Jesus opened their eyes and they, they recognized him. It's a great story. 
Second, Jesus gives the disciples a mission. There, there, there are several passages in the Gospels and in uh, Acts, Acts 1-8, we're going to see this, that are, are great commission passages, you know, where, where Jesus, who it says, yeah, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to give life and give it more abundantly. You know, Jesus' mission, the reason he was sent by the Father was to call people to himself for, for salvation, to to die on the cross. Well, after Jesus is raised, he gives the disciples this, this charge. He says, you know, this, this has been my mission. I want you to continue this mission. Mark, Mark said, the beginning of the gospel. Here's a continuation of the gospel. And we're going we're gonna to see the gospel continue through the book of Acts. And even then, at the end of the book of Acts, the gospel is not... That gospel story is not complete. It continues on with us right now, and it's going to keep continuing on. And uh, verse 20 is, is I, I like this. Verse 20 says that uh, Jesus says the Lord worked with them. He worked with the disciples. You know, if we look at John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he's leaving them. And he says that it's to their advantage that, that he's leaving, for God is going to send them the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15 through 18 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive for it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's what's happening. That's, that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. The, the, the promised Holy Spirit is, is crucial to this, to this mission. Jesus says, you know, the Spirit will come upon you and you'll, you'll have power to accomplish this mission. And we're not on our own. We're not on our own. We have the very presence of God with us. And he's working with us now to accomplish his mission. You know, the Holy Spirit's uh, teaching is meant to train us and to equip us. You know, not just so that we're very knowledgeable and um, well-trained, spiritually intelligent people, but so that we can accomplish this mission of, of making disciples. The Spirit equips us for service. He empowers us. Let's, let's uh, conclude with... Uh, just a summary. Jesus is alive. Jesus is, is alive. The living Christ is who we follow. Jesus is the, uh, the first fruit of the resurrection. And because he lives, we will live eternally if we've received him as Savior. Jesus reveals himself to us. You know, we don't, we don't serve a theological concept we don't serve an idea. We serve a living person. 
We serve the Jesus, the Christ who is revealed in, in God's word. He works with us. Jesus commissions us. He gives us work to do. He's got a task for us. It's a, it's a mission. The, the mission of the church universal. The mission of this local manifestation of, of the body of Christ. It's to make disciples. To lead people to the Lord and to help them grow. Help them mature. We're to be his witnesses. And he works with us. He works with us and through us in his spirit, through his spirit. He did not abandon us. Like he said, he did not leave us as as orphans. Anyway, I'm I'm excited about next week. We're going to be starting the book of Acts. We're going we're gonna to see how this gospel keeps moving forward, the gospel story, how it's accomplished through the Spirit who was sent, just as Jesus promised. Pray with me. Uh, Lord God, in, in the name of Jesus, we, uh, we praise you. We praise you, Lord, for being the, the God of mercy and, and the God of, of grace. The God of salvation, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love shown us on the cross. That you took our sins upon your shoulders so that anyone who believes in you and receives you is adopted into your family. Given the authority to be called a son or daughter of God. We just respond, Lord, to that offer in in humble thanks. And Lord Jesus, we we want to yield to you. We want to uh, yield and surrender our our hearts for your spirit to, to work in us, Lord. Fill us fresh, afresh this week with your spirit, Lord, as we go out. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to be effective witnesses to you, Lord, to share this good news. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. Amen.